following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Morning. I'm very happy to say good morning to you so quickly. Thank you. Thank you. And happy Father's Day to all of you. Um, even if you're not fathers, <laughs> you can certainly appreciate a, a father. Um, I, I, before I get started, I want to say thank you very much for your prayers for me this week. Um, last Sunday was hard uh, and unexplained, but um, it's cool. God is good, and um, I we trust him to be our interpreter anyway. <laughs> so uh, even if you're squeezing cement through a frosting bag, that's what it felt like to me. Um, but I'm very happy to be back with you in this way. Um, uh, I, I forgot to ask during prayer, as you'll notice, I'm not Andrew um, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, about the same height now, though. <laughs> Don't say that to him. <laughs> not true. Not true. Um, he's down in Nashua. He got uh, called to fill in um, for the, I don't know, the AAA baseball team. I don't know, whatever. Something. Another baseball team needed him. So he's down in Nashua. So with my truck in Nashua. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So we... And we do want to praise the Lord uh, for Father's Day. We got Carolina a new car, so yeah. praising the Lord for that. Um, what a blessing! Um, it, it will make my life a lot better, believe me, <laughs> to not have to um, worry so much about a family car. So we're very grateful to the Lord for providing that for us, um, and we pray that it will be a blessing to more than just our family. Um, so. All that out of the way, we're back in First Peter this morning. We're going to look at First Peter chapter 2, and that is on page 1015 in the Pew Bibles. Now, last week, um, we, um, we started talking about, or we were talking about, everybody's favorite Christian virtue, like the most popular... <laughs> Uh, aspect of Christianity, and that is submission. At least I think that's what we talked about. Um, anyway, in our passage for this morning, Peter gets more specific about submission um, as Christians, and that we are not only to submit to the, the governing authorities over us, but we're also to submit to uh, to those whom we serve. Um, Paul talks about um, slaves submitting to their earthly masters in a couple of different passages in Titus and Colossians. Um, But Peter uses a different word. He doesn't say slaves. And it's interesting because Peter is writing originally to a mostly Jewish audience. And just the term slave would be 
a little more prickly, a little more sensitive because of the history of the Jewish people in Egypt and, and 400 years of slavery there. So he says, he uses a different word. He says servants. It's, it's uh, translated servants here. Um, and I think because of that, we might have a, an easier time of understanding the principles and, and applying them to our own lives. So let's look at the text and let the Spirit speak to us through his word. 1 Peter 2, starting at verse 17. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to gather together as your people around your word, freely, without fear. Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to us now through your word. You have preserved these words over the centuries, that we might read them, hear them, but not only that, to apply them. And for that, we need your Spirit's help. God, change us as a result of our time together in your word this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So, Peter fleshes out here several ways how we as Christians are to honor everyone, as he said in verse 17. That's kind of like the heading, the title of the sermon, and then the three points underneath, which we're going to skip because who needs a three-point sermon? We're going to go with one. <clears throat> Wasn't even funny in my own head, so <laughs> anyway. It's easier on taking notes. Yeah, right? Yeah, sorry, note takers. So one of the most practical ways for the original audience of this letter, uh, and really us also, to honor everyone is for servants to be subject to their masters with all respect. Okay. Um, so where Paul addresses slaves, Peter addresses Household servants. He uses a different word. Domestics, they might have once been called. Um, Household servants. And 
before we get any further, I know that there, there are always some who bristle at the idea of identifying with slaves or domestic servants. Um, I've had conversations with people before who have outright refused to hear any teaching from these passages. They will not identify with this because I'm nobody's slave. Nobody owns me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, I, so for those of you who are in this camp, or at least lean in that direction a little bit, I'm nobody's slave. I don't belong to anybody. If you have a job and don't show up for a week, let's see if you're right. Okay? So we can take these principles applied to slaves and applied to servants, and those of us who are employed um, can certainly identify with that. And those of you who were once employed will at least, well, hopefully you're not so far gone you can't remember what it was like, but you can apply these principles as well. And it's not just about employees and employers and, and bosses and managers, but there are all kinds of people to whom we are responsible. Um, well, they, they get their own section a little bit later on. But, um, you know, I was trying to think of more examples. It's not just I am accountable to the law and the police. Uh, what about your landlord? What about your homeowners association president? I, I don't know. I mean, the neighborhood watch. Baseball your baseball coach. <laughs> exactly. Right. So we can we can identify with these ideas because most of us are or have been employed by someone or responsible to someone. We've all had bosses and managers to whom we are accountable. And these principles that Peter talks about, um, they parallel perfectly with the relationships that we have with managers or bosses, uh, honestly, anyone to whom we are accountable or responsible to. Weisinger wrote, Before such masters, the false longings for liberty are most apt to break out. But here is just the point at which Christian views and principles appear in the strongest possible contrast with merely human and natural ones, and at which the peculiarity of the Christian calling as a power of endurance shows its marvelous glory. Who likes being subject? Anybody? Like, that's my, I can't wait to be told what to do. Right. I dropped out of college because I hate being told what to do. I just uh, get. mm. But that's my flesh. Right. That's not Christian virtue. That is not the example of the Lord for us to follow. So, again, if we understand these principles to apply to apply to employees as well as domestic servants, uh, if you can get on board with me here, uh, we can all have our pride beat into submission together. Because <laughs> that's the problem. Okay? That's the problem. Uh, again, Jay Mombert wrote, What the writers of the New Testament have said concerning slaves hold tr- holds true concerning servants and all those employed under a master or boss that they discharge their office modestly, diligently, and willingly, and act with faithfulness and integrity in everything that is committed to them. We can get that, right? 
You don't have to be a domestic servant or a slave to get that. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. All right, now it gets fun. Like, you can almost get on board with, yeah, okay, I got to right, do what the boss says, yeah, but he is a jerk, and he makes my life miserable, so I'm not always going to do that. Well, the word tells us otherwise. I'm sure you've all had some bosses. I've had some doozies. Um, And it doesn't matter if they're your best friend or your worst enemy. Our responsibility is the same. Peter reminds us that the quality of the character of those whom we are responsible to is completely irrelevant. It doesn't matter whether they're wonderful loving, helpful, and kind, or unjust. The word here is literally translated crooked. Okay? It's not just to the nice ones. It's to all of them. Our obligations to our, obligation to our duties does not depend on the character of those to whom we are responsible. They're wholly dependent on our relation to Christ and Christ's example for us. You could say, well, you don't know, you don't know the person I work for, and uh, you don't know my manager. It's the worst. Well, Peter goes on in verse 19, for this is a gracious thing, a thankworthy thing, a gift. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? Don't you just love that language? I I love that. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious, thankworthy, gift-like thing in the sight of God. This This here is an amazing concept, potentially life-altering, or or at least attitude-altering, I hope. The concept here is the difference between merited suffering and martyr suffering. Okay? Merited suffering versus martyr suffering. I say versus... Because they are different. Just to clue you in. Merited suffering, which, of course, this doesn't apply to any of us, so we could, might as well just skip over it, right? Merited suffering is when you get what you justly deserve for bad behavior. So that's why I say it doesn't apply to us. Not a problem. Having to pay the fine for speeding, not turning in your homework and getting a bad grade, having a bad attitude or slacking off at work and being passed over for promotion or for not getting a raise. How often do things like this in this general category happen to us and we say, woe is me. I can't believe I didn't get that raise. I've been late to work every day all month long, but I deserve more money. Right? Or I can't believe I've got to pay this dumb fine. I was only going 47 miles over the speed limit. I don't deserve this sort of behavior, this sort of treatment. So, 
maybe those are extreme examples, and it's only me, other than the 47-mile-an-hour thing. I was never caught. Nothing can be proven. This, this, <laughs> this is merited suffering. Okay? This is when you do wrong and are beaten for it. Okay? This, Peter says there is no credit for enduring beatings for our own sins. Maybe beatings are against your company policy, but I think you get the idea. You are punished for the wrong you have done. Martyr suffering, on the other hand, Peter calls a gracious thing in the sight of God, a thankworthy thing. Gracious obviously finds its root in the word grace, which is the word for gift. It is a gift in the sight of God, doing good and suffering for it. Enduring suffering or punishment or tribulation when you don't deserve it. These two things are different. J.P. Lang wrote, you have no praise before God. You cannot glory in your tribulations if you remain steadfast in troubles you brought on yourself. If you remain steadfast, uh, if, but if suffering wrongly, you remain steadfast, you will have honor before God and secure his approval and good pleasure. Like, buck up, little soldier, when you, and take it. Because you earned it. Okay? But you don't get extra credit for that. That's just your responsibility. So suck it up, buttercup. Now, if you're anything like me, bless your little hearts, right now you may be starting to wonder, but what about my rights? I have rights. And I think my right is to never have to answer for any wrong I've ever done. Nobody has the right to punish me. The reality is, deep down, I expect things to go my way 100% of the time. That's just me. I know you're not like this. Hmm. An equal reality is they never do go my way. My dad is fond of saying, why bother worrying? Nothing's going to be all right. That's usually how we start our conversations with each other. I want to complain about something that's gone wrong in my life. And so that's the first line of our, of our text or whatever. Why bother worrying? When I'm faced with problems that I've most likely created myself, I have an expression all on my own that probably nobody's ever heard, thankfully, because they're not around when this is going on. But it's just can't nothing be easy. You know, I'm just trying to. Do the thing and fix the thing. And I'm, you know, trying to use a bristle, bristle brush to turn a nut. Why won't this work? You know, because I've created a problem on my, my, on my own. As if everything going smoothly is owed to me. Because isn't it? Why are you shaking your head? Ben's right. Yes, it is. Absolutely. No, it's not. It's not. Nothing could be farther from the truth. What is owed to us? It isn't anything good. When we're faced with difficulties that are, that are brought on because we have been willing to submit to the authorities placed over us, 
We have a choice about how we react. Will we whine about our rights? Or will we patiently endure? Of course, our once the whining is over, we get, all right, no, I really have to endure. I've created this problem. It's my own fault. To be frank, there really is no choice to be made. Peter reminds us of our example of suffering unjustly, Jesus. Jesus, he removes any excuse for complaining. Okay? You, you get that? I mean, what, what do we really have to complain about? For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Now, there is beautiful and rich theology in these verses concerning the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf and in our place. But that wasn't really Peter's point. Peter's point was to remind us of the innocent suffering of Christ, the Father's purpose in it, and the example that he gave us to follow. The most important phrase in there is he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That's the father. He's the one that we can trust. When we are faced with punishments that we don't deserve or we're just treated badly at work or we're treated badly by anybody, we don't deserve it. We can still trust the Father in it. Matthew Henry wrote, Good Christians are called to be sufferers, and therefore they must expect it. That sounds like a Christmas card. Good Christians are called to be sufferers, and they, therefore they must expect it. The sufferings of Christ should quiet us under the most unjust and cruel sufferings we meet in the world. He suffered voluntarily, not for himself, but for us, with the utmost readiness, with perfect patience, from all quarters and all this, though he was God-man. Shall not we sinners who deserve the worst submit to the light afflictions of this life, which work for us unspeakable advantages afterwards? This is the choice that we face when we suffer. Peter's point is that Christ, our shepherd, 
our overseer, our example, quietly, patiently, willingly endured unjust suffering, the mo- like the most unjust suffering, in submission to ungodly authorities. You think your boss is a jerk? Think about Jesus for a moment and the guys nailing him to the tree. Boss, really not that bad. His example is proof that patient endurance under unjust and undeserved undeserved sufferings in submission are a gracious thing and acceptable to God. It's worship. It's worship. Our master and savior expects no more from each of us than he was willing to do himself. He bore our sins to save us. How much more should we be willing to quietly and patiently endure our own challenges in submission to those who have been placed in authority over us? Jesus Christ is our gift and pattern, our mediator and head, our shepherd and light. What is our duty? To believe and to follow, to trust and obey. Obey his teaching and his example. You're not going to like this next one. Bishop Horn, who was a guy, he said, He who regards Christ as an example and not a redeemer is lost because he cannot follow him. He who takes him for a redeemer and not for an example will be lost. Because he does not follow him. He who regards Christ as an example and not a redeemer is lost because he cannot follow him. He who takes him for a redeemer and not for an example will be lost because he does not follow him. Lots of people claim to be Christians. Lots of people don't follow the Lord. Lots of people claim to be Christians, but don't follow the Lord when it's hard. Lots of people claim to be Christians, but refuse to follow Christ's example of humility and submission and suffering. Because we think we don't deserve it. We think we deserve better. Our fate is the same either way if we will not follow him or will not believe in him. Wasn't it James that says, show me your, you say you have faith? Show me your faith by what you do. That's a very rough (laughs) translation. (laughs) Yeah, should have written it down, I suppose. Yeah, you get it. 
And though these verses are a reminder to us of Christ's example for us as disciples to follow, what did I say? Those, these verses are a reminder of Christ's example for us as disciples to follow. He is our pattern. That was Peter's point. I would be remiss if I did not remind you all of the purpose of the pattern. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And the offer still stands. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, by his stripe, our souls have been healed. For you are straying like sheep. Will you now return? To the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The purpose of Christ's submission and suffering is our salvation. Have you accepted that gift? Is it just a thing that you say? Or is it a pattern of behavior as a result of what you believe? What you believe isn't what you say you believe. What you believe is what you do. Will you accept now his gift? Will you believe in Jesus? Will you turn from your sin? Will you entrust your whole life to him? If so, you've never done that before, I would love to pray with you and help you get to know the great Lord Jesus, our great shepherd. And as a reminder for those who know the Lord, the purpose of his submission and suffering, still our salvation. The most world-changing thing to ever happen. Regardless of how the world feels about Christ, we still mark our calendars by that day. It is entirely possible that our own Submission and subsequent suffering may have effects beyond our comprehension, beyond anything we could ever imagine. If you think about Father's Day, the example of our fathers affects our children. Will they follow our example, learn from it, learn what not to do? Probably both. But that's exactly what kind of effects our submission and suffering may have beyond anything that we could ever imagine. Generations of change. 
Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the crooked. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. That's a guarantee, just so you know. He left you an example because you are going to have opportunity to follow in his steps or not. That choice is going to be yours to make. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you are all straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen. Let's pray. Father, how can we ever thank you enough for giving your life for us? For bearing our sins in your own body taking the punishment that we justly deserve while you were innocent. You didn't deserve that treatment. We did. We still do. We thank you for your grace that extends that forgiveness and freedom from sin to us. Father, I pray that you would continue to extend us grace, that we would continue to turn from our sin. When we're faced with temptation, help us, Lord, to run the other way. When we're faced with a great blessing of suffering unjustly, may we suffer in a way that follows your example and brings glory to your name. We don't know what the outcome will be of those things, but we entrust it to you because you judge justly. And whether our suffering unjustly ends to our own death, our eternity is in your hands. And we're grateful for that. Help us, Lord, to trust you more. And Lord, for those who have never put their trust in the Savior, who have never accepted that his death on the cross was for them, I pray, Lord, even now, they would cry out to you in faith, asking you for forgiveness, accepting your sacrifice for them, turning away from their sin, and entrusting you with the direction of the rest of their life and their eternity. Father, we're so grateful for the gifts that you give. We're thankful for your love. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, 
Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.